Welcome now, the professors of pop. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephanie Lachlan, and with my co-host, Jerry Gabriel, we are your professors of pop. Say hi, Jerry. Hi, how's it going? And welcome back to the professors of pop. So today we're talking about the music from the 1980s. And to kind of honor our theme of a music episode today, we're recording in Jerry's band studio. So if you hear some random hip hop or rock in the background as we're talking, just let that add to the atmosphere of our, our theme today. So... The 1980s. Terrible fashion, conservative politics, social inequality and war, but let's get real, it was one hell of a decade for music. And without further ado, class is in session. Let's go. Roll up. The death of disco and the birth of punk, Madonna was the reigning pop star of the decade, and the new wave brought us all the artists that every indie band today tries to emulate. In many ways, the 80s was the decade that shaped the modern music industry. When MTV launched in 1981, the industry began shifting more to a focus on singles and the image of the star over the concepts and quality of the song. Claire Gordon writes that with the birth of MTV, the music industry suddenly Art transformed into product, and that process was accelerated by the synthesizer. It could be a pretty aggressive decade for music when you think back to the 1980s. Think of all the thrash metal and hard rock bands that were popular that decade. And then, of course, there was the ultimate fuck you to music industry, punk music. Jerry's going to talk a little bit more about that today. Punk music was born both a backlash to the conservative politics of the era, but also a disregard for any sort of established musical rules, which is what made them so exciting. I've always loved punk, and I still do, but my heart will really always belong to the new wave. Taking its name from the French new wave cinema of the late 1950s, this music was influenced by garage and glam rock, and a quirky sense of humor, but while at the same time still being radio playable if you will which is why if you look up the net worth of david byrne today it's 60 million dollars while that of eric reed boucher from the dead kennedys his net worth right now is about five hundred thousand. so if only you'd sold out to the man yo you could have been 60 million dollars richer one two three four where is he 
Anyways, now I want to introduce our guest for today, Don McSweeney. Hi. Hey, Don. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what music you love from the 1980s? Well, uh, I'm the editor-in-chief of ForgetTheBox.ca, and uh, I know you guys for a bit, and uh, we're all about the same age, so otherwise it would be weird to talk to you about the 80s. Well, I mean, yes, I have to add in, of course, that the 1980s was such a spectacular decade because I was born into it. Were you 70s, baby? Uh, yes, but I'm not like Benjamin Buttons. I'm getting, um, <laughs> I'm getting younger <laughs> as I age. Yeah. Well, uh, I was five when Much Music came out. So all of my... I, I remember the fashion and the videos and all that. From Yes, me. to any American listeners, uh, Much Music was kind of the Canadian MTV. Yeah, so like I have all that imprinted very heavily the visuals of the 80s and 80s pop music. Yeah. Which is funny cuz now I wouldn't listen to pop music and I I much rather listen to like old punk or stuff like that from the 80s, but at the time man, Goomies, man. Goomies yeah. were a thing. Crinoline was a big thing. The hair was big. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to me like 80s is about like being different. Like we're going to be it was it was an interesting decade cuz it paid homage to the 50s. It's yeah, after the, 50s the social was really interesting. Yeah, but it was like we're gonna we're gonna we're going back to like this conservative fifties. Exactly. But we're gonna do it with a twist of our own, like, like, like our own, like we're gonna be futuristic. It's like futuristic fifties, basically. It's almost like a self awareness about wanting to be in the future. It was well, really interesting. It's years. funny you should say that because I was thinking of whereas the other decades didn't have that really quality to it because the technology was changing so rapidly for the first time. You know, especially the technology of music. Like, we went from, like, you know, yeah, having a player Electronic music first started. The Beatles, they didn't have the equipment, or they, they tried to make those kind of processors and things that didn't exist yet. But eventually, in the 80s, they had those things. They could do, like, synthesized music. They could do, like, different effects in the production. It's really interesting. Yeah, when stuff. I was making the playlist, I was, yeah. like, every song has a synthesizer, and I'm surprised how many times they snuck in a saxophone. <laughs> like, yeah. it's everywhere. I'm like, really? There's a horn in this song? I didn't yeah. see it coming. Oh, uh, they love the sax. There's so many songs with like a sax, random sax solo. David uh, Bowie had sax in his songs all of a sudden. But when you're <laughs> saying about the ab about trying to do it with a twist, I was thinking of Twisted Sister and we're not going to take it. And so clearly Classic. remembering this video and there was already this distinction between the youth and their parents that I didn't understand. I don't know what they're fighting against in that, right? I was too young to know, but I knew that. The youth was coming. As Grandpa Sinsenman would say, one day, one day you, you'll think you'll know what was it, but then it won't be it anymore. <laughs> yes, it was that. So there they are. Their, their parents are backing up because Twisted Sister's in the house in this video. And it's just like the different, the change is coming. What is it? What are we changing from? I don't know. But I was, I was convinced that the music was saying that change was coming.
definitely like I remember uh, growing up as a kid and like so I was like listening to I don't know Michael Jackson mm. and like getting into like break dancing. I remember at the time and I was like, oh, this is something that's like so cool and so interesting. But then as I got older, I realized the music for me was punk. Like I I was so after I really only started hearing eighties punk like towards like the nineties mm. and like. I got uh, first time I heard the Stooges. I was like, "This is the band for me. This is the most amazing band I've ever heard in my life." That was, that was well, because it's also funny because Beastie and, uh, Boys in the early '80s yeah, too. Yeah, Beastie Boys in the early '80s too, and they had they were punk basically in yeah. the early '80s, and they had some great music too. It was like a different sound though with punk in the '80s because you had like basically in the '70s when punk kind of got formed, it was a good of it. Basically, what it was was punk was just a word, and it just meant that. We're going to do, it's basically, we're, it's like the 80s entire thing. It's like, we're going to take something and we're going to do something completely different with it, or we're going to go completely counter against whatever was before. We're going to say fuck you to all the right. establishment. Right. And 70s rules. establishment was prog rock. Yeah. Pro- progressive rock was really yeah. big. It started moving into the 80s. And but then the old Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan right. came so along, and the anger that. that they were so pissed off at that. Right. And it was a way of attacking the turned angrier. So people yeah. were going showing up to punk shows that wouldn't have normally showed up, and then it started getting bigger and snowballing. And there was two different movements because you had like the New York punk scene and you had the London punk scene at the time, and they're very different in sound. Like you listen to the Clash and then listen to the Ramones, and that's a good example of yeah. what you're hearing. And Completely I encourage everyone of, to, uh, so, what's that movie? Salt Lake City Punk. Oh, Salt Lake City. Punk. They do a great. He does a great little monologue on the difference between New York and right. London punk. It's actually well, a great movie. <laughs> it yeah, really it's is. really interesting, and because I find like New York punk uh, was more like of. Uh, they had more of like a, it was more united, like everyone was together in the New York scene and it was quite closer bond. Where in, in, in London, it was like more spread out too. Like there's these little, like you go to like a, you go to like a, a town, like this shit town or whatever, somewhere in England or something. And like you have a small punk scene there and they would have their own version of what punk was like. It was kind of different in that way too. Uh, I would say like, the most influential punk bands of the period being probably the Clash and the Ramones are, are the two that are known. That's the, there's so many the good bands. There's on. the New York Dolls. Yeah. There's the Dolls. And there's like a ton of great bands. Television was amazing. Uh, of course, uh, Iggy and the Stooges. Yep. But a punk wasn't just generally that sound. Like in New York, for instance, Blondie was considered punk. Mm. I was like, going to uh, say. Uh, the, the Talking Heads were considered punk. Uh, talking so, Heads were maybe... Early I'd say on. more new wave. Early on, though, the punk movement movement was the new wave was came from punk because what happened was, and you'll see this if you watch a lot of these movies, was people are musicians, and after a while, if you're playing a certain style of music, you want to change it up a bit yeah, because you yeah. get bored. Yeah, and that's just a common thing. And it was just like, well, this this music is limited. Like, how do I well, make it more? And once you was... make it more, it's no longer punk. And one thing about punk is what's called like. You have to be anti-conformist by being conformist in mm-hmm. some ways. It's like there's a certain way that punk has to be played, and so they. It, but realize if you wa- if you watch the history of punk, you see the evolution. Like is thrash punk and other types of punk and uh, new punk in the '90s that came out. Uh, it got shit. more poppy. You see that it's, like it's, it's got more poppy, w- yeah. but it also got more like it got more weird and experimental too. It was yeah. like doing different things. So it wasn't just, there was more to, there was more to do. So the people who were saying, yeah, it was heyday, limited like, to go from punk. punk to new wave. 
but a lot of bands did. There, you you see this transition with a yeah. ton of bands, mm-hmm. you know, and you see other bands going even more hardcore, like Black Flag. Is yeah, a good example. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. true. Yeah, the New York scene, like for instance, Shelter, which I only came to to know way after they stopped making music and i'm like oh shit it was really good i was too young to be into punk at the time like that was too, i was like ah loud but twisted sister like yeah. a twisted sister was i was all for it um it was interesting because one of the you do the comparison with the different ha- scenes for punk and it's like there was to me a clear cut in my childhood between um cindy lopper and madonna yeah, and I just read a Camille Paglia essay on it, which is oh Madonna, f- what found, have you done to yourself? I found, Jesus I found, uh, I found Cindy Lauper was more punk influence. Oh, one thousand percent. Yeah, but, and Madonna but was more like poppy, more shape. pop, and more like uh, the disc. I think she influenced by like disco music in the seventies. Yeah, but so the interesting the essay was about how it relates to feminism, where you look at Cindy Lauper. Oh, at- what's the what's that? What's uh, it's by Camille Paglia. I forget which Come essay on. it yeah, is, yeah, but it, I will. And it's like. Kind of like Cindy Lauper was a really palatable form of feminism. Like that's the power puff girl power of right, yeah. and and I was for and gravitated or heavily. Like Spice Girls were in the nineties, exactly. Yeah. But then Madonna, and Madonna's like, let's burn some crosses and like she like, she will produce the video and do the videography yeah. where she puts herself on the leash, and then everybody got so mad that she was on the leash, and it's like yeah. bitch was getting paid at both ends. She created the vision, right. she executed the vision, she owned the vision, but and also, that would be the more true. There's, there's another feminist look that. Um, she did do all that, but she was kind of like the acceptable to the acceptable. Like uh, not when she put out her sex book, she wasn't acceptable. No, but she, but <laughs> acceptable to sell music for whatever mainstream. Have book. you heard the lyrics to either "Like a Virgin" or no, no. "Papa Don't Preach Lately"? I'm just saying I, I've heard this criticism being that there were there were other stronger feminist musicians like Patti Smith and like. I don't know. Oh no, I'm saying that Patty Smith wasn't example, as pretty, but wasn't as pretty, right? Meaning, so she was. That's more, you know what we were talking about was, before, but how the she was 80s, more about yeah. the looks. But yeah. she, but she, but Madonna actually took the reins of her own sexuality in a way that maybe hadn't been done so publicly before, and transformed it on her own, not because some man told her to. Whereas, once again, Cindy Lauper, I'm all for it. I will protest in crinoline, but it's not going to give off the same vibe as if I had learned how to wear a cone bra and heels yeah, sooner. Patty Smith would never do that. No, and res- <laughs> all respect to her, but yeah. I mean, if you want to be able to take over that spotlight and then yeah. put it out there and sell it like that, Madonna was the queen of it. Don't know what she did to her face now. Oh my God, it's so scary. It is scary. She should have called Cher and been like, girl, give me your doctor's yeah, number because Cher's doing fine. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to like body shame Madonna, but let's. Is it body shaming when they chose to do it to themselves? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But girl, yeah. Oof. I think people should avoid plastic surgery unless it's necessary, like they were an accident or something. That's accident. how I feel. I understand it's a very. But that's my view. Of it. That's mine, like, and I understand it's if you not have the money, popular. I guess, you could do it, but it's like you're gonna look like a weird puppet at the end or something no but cindy lopper like still looks great she still looks, looks great, great. Yeah. yeah she's still got her cute she's little accent yeah. and you'll be oh 100 percent. she's she's boss bitch she did yeah. the uh, kinky boots and all that like she still owns it and it and in the long game i think she reigns supreme well they they equal out in yeah. that but the approach to femininity at the time when it was such a pivotal moment in my impressionism it yeah. was uh there was definitely a a, of a girl of the girl movement like towards like the riot girl stuff and there was a there was definitely a you could hear in the music of women taking back control or yeah. going back to work I when mean, did riot girl start like late 80s 
Yeah, because yeah. I think it was the heyday was the nineties. Yeah, the nineties was yeah. the heyday, but it started then. It started okay. like we're gonna there's gonna be like a feminist empowerment in the music, and you could kind of hear it coming in, and even like even the most mainstream like uh, Dolly Parton working nine to five. It came out in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Dolly's the queen. Yeah. But then if you look at like the videos and you think about it from the other side, then you have Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. All yeah. those girls in the little black dresses <laughs> yeah. with their red lips and red shoes. That- oh man, 1980s I do, but that, music that is, videos are intense. They're intense, but they're visually just beautiful. Be- they're well, all very well done. But 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 now they aged badly. Yes. For instance, uh, One Night in Bangkok is aged extremely bad, or Bangkok, whatever the name of that song is. I don't know. You seen ever seen the video for it? It's just no, like, I, I haven't seen the video. Yeah, it's it's pretty offensive. By today's I believe standard. you. <laughs> the song is also like I'm a, he's a white guy who goes to Bangkok and sees weird things. Right? Might I also considering <laughs> talking about things that aged interestingly? Um, so are you guys familiar with uh, Belle Biv DeVoe? No. Oh Lord! So this is the early '80s. I uh, don't. No, uh, er, late '80s, maybe '88. And I just want to give you some of these fantastic lyrics here because I know everybody's talking about wet ass pussy and how every every generation feels the need to reinvent sexuality. Yeah. But uh, this one, first of all, girl, let down your hair. Uh, girl, let your hair down. Take off your clothes and leave on your shoes. This is probably the first time in a pop song I was like, we all getting kinky. I didn't know men did that. <laughs> and it also has a uh, wait, wait, wait. Backstage underage. Uh, Backstage, underage, adolescent, how you doing? Fine. Sugar pie, I'd like to do the wild thing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, it, it's funny because, like, the next song in that album is, like, an apology song or something. Like, it was... <laughs> I, I realized, too, when I was listening to old music, like, men were always apologizing. It's like, girl, I'm so sorry I did you wrong. Please come on home, and I swear, it won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I banged an underage groupie, but I love you, girl. It was it was totally accept it was so acceptable that in eighty eight you could put that in lyrics and have them played on the radio. Didn't Eddie Mer didn't he come out with some gross album music in the eighties? Say Eddie Money? Murphy. He did. Oh, oh Eddie Murphy. Oh I can't well he had raw, the raw movie. I remember that movie. Which, by today's standard, would not be acceptable. Would be oh, pretty geez. offended. People <coughs> there's, there's way lighter stuff now that people can play. This is what I'm saying, because I'm a big Andrew Dice Clay fan. Yeah, and it's crazy <laughs> that it's like, we thought we were pushing everything yeah. forward, and then Andrew they're just... Andrew Dice Clay was so bad that on, on Night Court, they did an episode of... Uh, about him. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. Do you know what the Where older Dan's like? I really like this comic, and they made up. It's not they don't use his name. Oh like right, names. he got tickets for it, and he's just like he just offends like women the whole time. And it's so funny because now Andrew Dice Clay is just a very old Jewish man, <laughs> and all of his Italian bit melted just into old Jewish man, and it's <laughs> that's funny. It is last, funny. I saw him in that movie with. Uh, the last Woody Allen, like one of the last Woody Allen movies. It's, why don't you say more offensive names today? Blue Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Blue Jasmine. I'm a fan of Woody Allen. It was a good movie. Cancel me later. Yeah. But uh, what's her name? The, the lady who played Blue Jasmine in it? Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett. Look at you knowing stuff. Do you guys know St. Elmo's Fire? But in... Yeah, let's get back to 80s stuff. I'm going to cut all this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire. That's a quality if we're doing that. Okay, just a l- little uh, 
anecdote about the 80s, the ending of the 80s, I guess, is I went with a couple of people to New York City. I was like, oh, you know what? We're near CBGB's. I should check it out. Ooh. You went to CBGB's? So I went to CBGB's. Amazing. I went in the bar. But I'm then sorry. I look outside and there's a poster and there's bands playing. It's the last night of CBGB's. Holy and I was there. shit. Like the last night of CBGB's. There were, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why did you just get so much cooler? How did you do that? I don't know. It's just accidental. I was like, this is amazing. But it's also so sad. Like, this bar closing down. Iconic. This is the iconic bar of the New York punk scene. Yeah. And yeah. They care more about building condos and keeping iconic places. A hundred percent. We we used to cherish all our iconic places. And now we're not going to have them in like 200 years because we're we'll building shitty condos. A hundred percent. And That's it's- my comment. I, uh, but on that too and it also chases out the artists I, you know because then if you price out the artists uh, you don't get to have the people who are just starting yeah. out and experimenting in their studio yeah. and then who then become the next I, Madonna I would say that you will, you can't have like a New York scene anymore because all the people now live in Brooklyn or live elsewhere because and they can't afford New York can't afford it yeah so it's really bad when you don't have like when things get when artists get priced out of places and yeah. people have to realize that it's not all about capitalism and uh, consumerism. And that's the thing is then they want to turn around and be life. like, especially during the lockdown when they're like, nobody could make art fast enough to satisfy all the people left at home. Right. But nobody wants to then pay for that art or create that space for that art to happen. They just want the end result. Mm-hmm. I get all mad about it. I <laughs> like, yeah. I want to start a fire. Now I, I make it an effort to pay for movies. Oh, by movies. the way, we didn't start the fire. I just went through... Those lyrics. Hey, we only play '80s Billy Joel here. It is '80s. That's a joke. It's from uh, Step Brothers. Oh, where the okay. guy's playing in the band, and he's he's an '80s Billy Joel band, and oh, then the guy's funny. trying to get him to play "We Didn't Start the Fire." I don't know. It was one of the songs from the '90s that he did. No, we didn't start the fire. Oh, it was in the eighties. Okay, so what's the song? What's the song he did in the nineties? I don't know. I didn't prep for that. <laughs> okay. Anyways, uh... <laughs> does anyone have any uh, favorite albums or like top songs when they think of the nineteen eighties? Yes. Rocks that look sharp. That old top. That's a good one. Yeah. I was gonna say uh, Michael Jackson, obviously, Thriller. That's yeah, the thriller album for sure. I had it on my what was that thing called where you look through it and it had the spinny film thing yeah. and it you click it and it switched pictures. Oh my god, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I forget what it was called. I had though. the thriller video in still oh, on that that's bad boy. Awesome. I mean that's an iconic album and like I remember as a kid having it. Like someone giving it to me. Mine would probably be um Talking Heads Stop Making Sense. Yeah, it's like, you know, the album, the video, the the whole shebang. Uh, when you talk talk about like your favorite 1980s music, uh, yeah, the Talking Heads for me is everything and anything in the whole shebang. I I just, you know, you music is so important. I I read somewhere that like music is the most important to you at the beginning and the end of your life. And yeah, growing up when I was young, like that's. That's one of those bands that'll just always have a special place in my heart. You know? That's heavy. Um, yeah, I remember, I think Manic Monday was the first song I ever learned all the lyrics to. Mm-hmm. And I probably still know them. But yeah, Bananarama, those videos were poignant. Like, the, heard a room, and they do the whole thing together. And yeah, all those hair bands. 
Well, the girl hair bands, actually. <laughs> Some of the, uh, Bon Jovi was scary in the day. Like when his first albums, there was like stickers of him came in my cereal and I didn't like how big and, and hairy he was. He scared me like a bad Muppet. <laughs> uh, take on me. Aha. Uh-huh. That's oh, another one of that my, made my playlist. favorites. So I first was interested in them because they're a Norwegian band. And, uh, they, you know, they have like probably one of the massive hits from the 80s. So growing up, my mom loved that song. And, you know, I love it because of her. It has something like statistically one of the most viewed videos because oh, it's, it's one best, of the few videos. It's vid- one of the best music videos of all time. Right? And it, it holds oh. up in a way that yeah. the 80s videos don't usually, yeah. right? Oh, my God. And, and I know it sounds bright because everybody, anybody who's younger listening to this is going to be like, it is a so passe. And I'll be like, okay, we're just going to see how your shit ages. And then it, every timestamp, you know, like Ace of Bass now sounds 100% 90s. Like, you can't fake it. You're like, that was the 90s, and it cannot be denied. Right. And so no matter what generation you're in, it's going to be so quickly dated and have whatever that timestamp is where you're like, that's when that's from. Yep. And I mean, the, the 80s definitely had that. You can tell when you're listening to an 80s song. Who put in that saxophone, yeah, man? Like that synthesizer. The synthesizer. Just the, even like when people recreate it, they can kind of tell when it's new. There are some exceptions, like does like a lot of bands do sound kind of like the future. Another another eighties tradition that I noticed. The eighties tradition that I noticed when I was making the playlist is the one where you just keep repeating the chorus and it gets quieter and quieter until it stops. Like, no 80s song actually ended. They just trailed <laughs> off. Um, Love will tear us apart, Joy Division. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's probably another. Do you know Pursuit of Happiness? I'm an adult now. No. It's got great lyrics. This It really spoke to me. I was very young, and it, it holds up as a song about adulthood because it's like... Um, I can't look at young girls anymore. People think I'm some kind of pervert. I can't write songs about girls anymore. I have to write songs about women. It's no more boy meets girl, boy loses girl. Now it's man tries to figure out what the hell went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I could wake up at noon if I wanted to, but I really can't because I have this job that I keep having to go to. And it was just like it holds up perfectly. One more thought about 80s music. What was all the songs like with the stalking? The stalking. The stalking. Oh, like it rock, was romantic. Roxanne. It's true. There were a lot of stalking. Stalking was romantic. I tried it to explain. It was romantic. The- it was different back then. I, it was different because I have to tell you, in the 90s, I figured out where a boy's bus stop was and would just would be there when he got off from. This what? And calls where people would call the him. The police play. song, right? Yeah. Every, but, like, but it was romantic. Maybe this is why I'm fucked up, right? write a song about a accidentally stalking someone. But like, like when you like end up in the same places with them, so then they start thinking you're stalking them, but you're not really stalking them. But the whole them, 80s then. was about that. Like, think of Moonlighting. I was just talking to young people yesterday and saying, like, when I was growing up watching TV, slapping was, was fucking foreplay. Like, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard slapped each other all day. Like, it was, it was all very... Well... I'm glad that that's no longer considered romantic. You Me know? too. Um, so yes, the young people saying that, oh, it's so dated. Yeah, a lot of it is dated, but there's a reason why I feel like this decade really stands out for great music. Because there's just, 
there's just something about it. And yes, it's probably I'm probably completely biased as a child of the 80s for loving this decade so much, but I do, and I will defend it to the end. Well, like like Jerry was saying about the graphics and the visuals, and it is, it's like just candy for the eyes. Everything is fluffy and colorful, and then like then we just decided gritty was the way to go, and we just kept going gritty, and then we just went rich. But like we never got back to that. Like I love the aesthetic of that much bright, bubbly stuff. Yeah, a great album uh, from the album list is uh, mm-hmm. Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. Oh yeah, that's a good great one. album. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of my favorite albums from the eighties. This is a, this is a Cheap Trick was doing Cheap some trick. good shit. Cheap Trick Journey was doing pretty good shit sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <coughs> who else i have i have all sorts but rock set that um rock set i mean it hit about her. it hit it a, nah. it hit it a spot where again it was pivotal to my life because i was like just prepubescent and suddenly it wasn't like it, yeah. i was suddenly interested in all these songs where it's like oh my god i could be the cute girl dancing to it and so like it changed what i was listening to i guess Let me see what else I put on this bad boy. We're not going to take... I can't do We're Not Going to Take It Without Fight For Your Right. That's how they ended up together, like, on the playlist. Because to me, those are, like, quintessentially entwined. They came out, like, in the first... At the same year. And they both were speaking of the fact that we were overthrowing something. I was five. I don't know what we were overthrowing. But we were gonna. I remember hearing Fight For Your Right in summer camp, I think, the first time. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. And I'm I on. Like, I hope I hear it again. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, <laughs> and then I did. I was like, "Oh, this is a good song." <laughs> Bruce Springsteen doing "I'm on Fire" was the first time I learned that a song could be filthy and hot like that. <laughs> I was listening to it, being like, "What he said? What?" We were hearing "Born in the USA" everywhere. Oh, well, like, that is everywhere. yes. It was like so played. And probably it was a very popular, good album, but then that song was overplayed. Probably couldn't do "Walk Like an Egyptian" now. That song, oh, "Walk Like an Egyptian." Yeah, I think that's. Think that that whole video is probably scrubbed. Egyptians don't walk like that. (laughs) They don't. That's just their hieroglyphics. (laughs) I don't know how it ever came to be. Like that's almost like what band was it that do the dinosaur? Like it's like that. It's like it's just just so so you learnt something wrong and then you wrote a song about it. Oh, Samantha Fox? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, God, Samantha Fox. Was she the, who was, everyone was bitching about there was like a war between Samantha Fox and some other knockoff of Samantha Fox. <laughs> I would, I would watch that I fight. I want them to have a reality show where they battle to be a, the real it Samantha mall, Fox. It was, a, it was a mall fight because then they play a was lot Was it of, Tiffany? Tiffany. They played in malls. They both played in malls and they had a mall fight apparently. I don't know. It's a, it Jesus might be. It might be not a true story. I feel like just you're a myth. I can't really. If anything care. sounds like a story from the 1980s, a mall fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's 100 percent like happening. <laughs> pop stars playing at malls. Mo- yeah, pop stars playing at malls was big in the 80s. Like people don't. The Tiffany <laughs> video. don't even know what malls are these days. No. That's true. <laughs> Could you imagine if the Justin Bieber just played in a mall now? No one would. It was show like up. a story set in the 80s where there's like a girl playing in a mall, like a mall, like those 80s mall girls. Yeah. And then uh, the zombie outbreaks breaks. <laughs> that took a left. Yeah. But <laughs> the Arrhythmics, guys. Yes, definitely. Oh, Arrhythmics. Yeah, yeah. Annie Lennox all the way. Yeah, that aged really well. Yeah, oh, man, absolutely. So I hear so many good Arrhythmics. Kate Bush, now. hello. Kate Bush, of course. Do you know what? I don't. Uh, I'm going to. I have to look into that further. I can't name a song. Um, 
running up that hill. Apparently, that's really popular. I saw well, it on it's because of Stranger Things, it, yeah, right? Like, but so it came back yeah. and like it hit number one. Like she had her first number but one. New hit ver- but the new years uh, after the song, but the new version is different. It's higher. There's more bass in it because I mean the '80s they had limited. To, like we are speakers now and sounds as oh yeah a woman's so walk. you could do uh, you a could do a lot walk. more you know that you, know. Bass, you don't know that song a, oh my god it was yeah. a switch to now more bassier music and so now they this they, woman's they remaster work. songs they pump up the bass because you can hit those things they remastered like a t-rex album a few years ago it's amazing do you know the drums totally oh, pop t-rex. like amazing t-rex amazing. It, it's so good like because the, the you can actually hear the drums like perfectly I can't so believe nice. I forgot to put her on, but Melissa Etheridge, Melissa I, Etheridge, I bust that out at karaoke. I'm like, I'm ready at any given time for Melissa Etheridge. But yeah, yeah there the was... 80s gave birth to just so many icons. I mean, uh, technically, uh, I would say Prince was really that yeah. Was Prince was Prince was big. Purple Rain was... is a huge album. Yeah, he influenced so so many people. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. That when we were ta- when you're talking about songs that. You know, when you first got excited, yeah, Prince for me was definitely one of those guys where he's like, "Ooh, what's he making me feel right now?" <laughs> it's like, "What's going on?" Yeah. Okay. Does anyone have any uh, closing thoughts or wrapping? You know, what's your closing thoughts on '80s music? Let me give you the closing. Th- time moves super fast, right? Because when we were kids, we listened to our parents' music. And now it's all happening so fast, nobody even goes back and checks the old music unless they're real music nerds. So, like, but give it a go. Like, I didn't know in Ice Ice Baby, I didn't realize that was an under-pressure clip until I was an adult, right? Like, because I didn't look far enough back. So it's like, if you look back, if somebody who isn't familiar with the 80s music looks back and fucking tunes into She-Bop, that shit is going to fucking light the place up. Put that on anywhere. That'll fly. I recently watched... uh, uh I recently watched Queen play the Montreal Forum. I think it was Ooh. 1983. And it's an epic show. I recommend watching that. It really give you a good example of what the 80s was like. Yeah. It's like a fantastic show. And uh, the people in there are hilarious. Should also watch St. Elmo's yeah. Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. Watch Dem- that. <laughs> Demi Moore. We got, was Judd Nelson, wasn't it? Emilio Estevez. Yeah. The Brad Pack McDowell. Uh, Night Court. Nightcourt, so good. If you could find it somewhere, like the old Nightcourt. Three's Company, things that could not be made today. It can, but it'd be. It couldn't. The whole concept. They'd all be nerds. The whole concept was. They would all be be nerds and wouldn't be interested in sex in any way whatsoever. He was a hound dog who had to pretend he was gay to be able to rent that place with the two women. They were always lying to the. It would not work. And geek culture wasn't very big in the 80s, so definitely you should watch Nerds or Revenge of the Nerds. Great movie. It really fits with the 80s campiness, which we didn't really talk about 80s campiness, but it was a very campy decade. Yeah, go go find a Google an old wish book from the 80s. It'll blow your mind. You'll yeah. be in it. All right. So wrapping things up today, as always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at 41 Productions. Give us a like, share this episode, and let us know what future episodes you'd be interested in hearing. Thank you so much to our guest, Don. And we'll see you next time with our first return guest, Jason McLean, and we'll be talking about our favorite cliffhanger episodes of TV. Without further ado, thank you for listening, and class is dismissed. Welcome now, the professors of pop. Professors of pop. Professors of pop.